Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. Today we are doing a city guide for the city of Rome in Italy. Definitely a good city to visit. Yes, absolutely. Um, once again, just like Paris, which we did recently, it's a really iconic, energetic, cultural city. Oh, definitely. It's got so much history about it. You always hear about Rome and, you know, I think everyone who thinks of Rome has a, an, a picture of it in, in their head mm. and a good picture. Yeah. Quite often it's based on a 1950s or 60s uh, cult film. Oh, possibly. And then there's <laughs> the food. Oh, my goodness. Well, anyway, we'll go into all of that in this episode. We sure will. Um, this episode's sponsored by Hostel Bookers. Hostel Bookers is a budget accommodation website that's run by travellers for travellers. As the only independent hostel booking website that doesn't charge a booking fee, they offer the cheapest prices and value for money that they, as travellers themselves, think backpackers and us budget travellers deserve. With hostels, guest houses, cheap house- hotels and apartments in over 2,500 destinations worldwide, you can check out each property before you book online, with thousands of customer ratings and reviews, and pictures and videos of hostel rooms and amenities. They've got tons of travel resources too, with online travel guides and articles, and of course the Hostel Booker's blog, which is packed full of fun travel features and budget travel guides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite nice. They recently kind of redid it all, so nice. yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice and smooth. Well, Rome's also known as Roma, and it's roughly in, well, if you imagine Italy and follow down the west coast, it's pretty much bang in the middle there. On the left. On the left, yeah, the west coast. Yeah, well, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just off the med and... Um, it's a river city, so... I love river cities. All good. The population's about 3.5 million in the urban area, and the language is Italian, obviously, and also the ro- the local dialect Romanesco. It's known for the Pope. Yes. Gelato. <laughs> Yum. Architecture, world domination, and what have the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> yes, that's what it's known for. <laughs> Or maybe that's Monty Python. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was Monty Python. I'm not sure if if Rome is known for that or just Monty Python. Anyway, temperatures. Well, the summers are toasty, so expect it to be hot over about 30 degrees. And that's during June to August. Gets cold in winter with average temperatures hanging around 12 degrees Celsius. And the occasional snowfall. Yay. October is traditionally the nicest time to visit with settled and sunny weather, and it's not too hot. Yeah, you definitely want to be hitting the shoulder seasons of uh, spring and autumn rather than, you know, yeah. summer. We totally failed at that. Yes. Um, two airports, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, which is also known as Fiumicino International Airport. So that's the main airport. And then um, the budget airport, which is Ciampino. So if you're getting an EasyJet, Ryanair, those kind of budget flights, you're more likely to end up there. Yeah, that closes overnight, so make sure you check your transport and times carefully. Yes. You don't want to get stranded there because you'll get kicked out. Yep, and uh, yeah, locked outside for several hours until your morning flight. Lovely. Awesome. Uh, pints cost about five euros, as do bottles of wine. Yes. If you go to the supermarket. Um, price of a dorm bed, 20 euros. Um, public transport's just one euro for 75 minutes use of the integrated system. All four euros so, for a day. Yep, all good. Hey, a quick note before we move on and uh, talk about layout. We have a bit of a treat. We got uh, Jessica Stewart from the Rome Photo Blog. She's provided us the photos to use in this episode. So if you are using the iTunes enhanced version of the show... You should um, check out your iPod. Definitely look at your iPod (laughs) right now. Um, And yeah, we've got about a dozen photos of hers to kind of showcase. 
If you are not listening to the iTunes enhanced version, well, it might be a good idea to switch so that you can get things <laughs> yes. like this in the future. But otherwise, some of the photos will be on the website on the show notes. Yeah. If you're wondering what on earth we're talking about, um, go to IndieTravelPodcast.com and click the purple button to subscribe in iTunes. Or in iTunes itself, search for Indie Travel, and there's an enhanced version of the show and a normal version of the show. Yeah. The enhanced version gives you pretty pictures. Yeah. Definitely worth it. I mean, the pictures are quite gorgeous. Let's talk layout. Okay, well, modern Rome is huge and sprawling on both sides of the Tiber. But first-time tourists and short-term visitors will probably want to base themselves in old Rome. Yeah, I mean, the city started with there were the seven hills of Rome, which mm-hmm. are kind of this near-mythical kind of beginning. Um, and what they did was these communities on the seven hills, they drained all the swampland between them and set it up as meeting and trading points. And so these seven hills became the city of Rome, and it grew and grew and grew. So yeah, the places you want to go and see, and you're going to have to excuse our murdering of these names. Well, you're murdering, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Oh, fine. <laughs> Drop me in it. Okay, so the Piazza di Spagna, the Via Veneto, Quirno, Esquiline, Lateran, Carasala, Aventine, Palatine, Forum, Capitol, Campo di Fiori, uh, Piazza Navona, and Piazza della Rotonda. And they're all on the east side of the Tiber. And then on the other side, there's uh, Vatican, Janiculum, and uh, Trastevere. So these are kind of the, the central mass of old Rome. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different places to see. I suppose if I was trying to work out where to start. I'd start at the Forum, which is relatively central, and then just work out from there. Mm, yeah, that works well. And um, there's a metro stop right by the Colosseum, Colosseo. But we'll talk about that more later. Let's jump into accommodation. Well, if you're going to be spending just a short time in Rome, it's probably best to stay near the popular sites. Find yourself a hotel or hostel in the downtown region, which is to say near the Pantheon and Campo di Fiori. The area around the Termini station is also convenient, and it's also in the right area, which is good yep. because that's probably where you'll arrive if you come by train yes all good um prices are of course higher in the center dorm beds going for about 20 euros a night but depending on the quality of your establishment and where it's located prices drop dramatically um in italy there's yeah, some definitely. really really cheap 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 places so um although it's one of the world's most popular tourist sites i think i read somewhere 20 million people a year which is huge, um, but the competition manages to keep the prices down. Still talking about accommodation, well, let's hear from host bookers. The Eternal City may not be well known for affordable accommodation, but you can still live La Dolce Vita for less. For the cheapest rooms, choose a youth hostel in Rome, close to Termini train station. Many have their own bars and social events, which is awesome. And uh, couples and families should look out for B&Bs and guest houses, which many are set in old, beautiful squares and palazzos that have been refurbished. Even better value are the campsites out of the city centre, combining great facilities such as swimming pools and scenic country views with easy access by metro into the city, which is exactly what we did. To see the full selection of Rome hostels on offer, check out hostelbookers.com before you travel for user ratings, photos, and detailed hostel descriptions. Yeah, if you book online and in advance, you should get the best deals because we've seen stuff like hostelbookers.com starting at €3.81 for a dorm bed. 
That's amazing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I'm not quite sure how far away or what you get for that. but Yeah, that it's like is... Rome brackets Venice. <laughs> <laughs> you, you find me a bed for three, 381 in Venice. Yeah, no, I know. Um, but yeah, it, like I said before, it does get really cheap because of the amazing amount of competition. Yeah, definitely. Well, as Hospital Book has recommended, urban camping is definitely an affordable option. That's what we do. We, um, instead of choosing a dorm bed, we stayed in a private hut for a few nights. And it was basically just this little hut with beds on either side of the room. It was only big enough for one bed on one side, a little bit of space between it and another bed on the other side. And actually there was a, um, a pull-down bed on the top, so there could have been another person staying mm. in the room with us. And we had a private bathroom, so that was really good. Yeah. The disadvantages were a longer commute into town and, of course, the unavoidable tourist ghetto that we were in. Yeah, we walked in and then a busload full of, um, I think... Australians. Yeah, no, it was definitely Australians. I'm just trying to think how many buses there were. In in my memory, it's three, but I have a feeling it was really two. But all this coachload of Australians arrived and it was kind of like, hmm. Yeah, they were doing the kind of Contiki tour where they tent around, you know, they, they all have tents and they put them up at campsites around the place. We had our own place. It was really nice having a roof over our heads. Not very big on camping, camping <laughs> as a travel choice, but some people ask. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. For us, I mean, the the price won out over the inconvenience of having to get in and out of town. Yeah. And it was fun. We got lost trying to catch the bus into town one day. But, you know. It's all part of the fun. That's right. <laughs> um, now, food. Rome is such a foodie, foodie mm, yeah. city. And I am no gourmet, although... I do like eating, so... I don't think we... Oh, man, I would have liked to have spent so much more time in Rome just eating. I don't think um, we ate enough. Yes. Well, we didn't really have the budget to no. uh, to eat, so we started where we always do, with the street food. Yes. Oh, you've got to start with the street food. The street food is the best thing about traveling. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. So, well, pizza. Yes. Pizza is the street food in Rome. What a surprise. Yeah, it is. And the thing that really caught me is you buy it by the kilo. So you go into a little... <laughs> you don't actually um, have to buy a kilo. No, by, no. The, <laughs> by, by, by the weight. Um, yeah, so you buy it by weight. You go into a little pizzeria that's off um, off one of the streets, and our Italian was so bad because we had just arrived in Italy at that point, and um, you know, just kind of pointed to a bit of pizza, and the server moved their knife around until they had the amount that you wanted, gave them a smile and a nod, and they cut that, and um, yeah, and put it, up, it yeah. put it up to weigh. So that was awesome. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. The pizzas are big. They're thin-crusted. They're wood-fired. They're, oh, so good. Yep. And don't don't be tricked into thinking that you need lots of toppings because the, the food, the flavors, oh, less mm. is more, totally. Less Just get a margarita. More. Yep. Margarita is what? Tomato base, cheese, cheese on top. Maybe a bit of basil. Maybe. Yep. <laughs> it's awesome. So um, a bit of pizza, a can of soft drink should only set you back about five euros. So, so it's awesome. So, pizza is very typically Italian, and so is gelato. Oh, I love gelato. Yeah. It's not quite ice cream, eh? No, it's different from ice cream, but it's better and tastier and lovelier and more wonderful. (laughs) That was very descriptive. Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, getting to a gelateria is brilliant, and um, they're pretty much everywhere, and because it gets pretty hot pretty quickly mm. there's nothing like wandering around with a massive scoop of gelato uh, in a cone but um, it was quite confusing we went to go and buy some see what you had to do was walk up walk into the seething mass of people and um, 
first of all, you went and said what you wanted and you paid for it. And then you took your receipt and you went to get into another seizing, seething mass of people to um, to go and pick it up. It's kind of the opposite to what I'm used to. Where yeah, you, where you get order it and your you food, you get your food, and then you pay for it. That's right. Um, so it's kind of the opposite. You needed to figure out what you wanted, go and pay for it, and you took a little bit of paper over to the person who made it. And um, that took us a while to figure out. out. Yeah. And in fact, one place, the same happens with coffee, which is, of course, another big Italian passion. Yeah. We I almost got free we, coffee. <laughs> we almost got free coffee, yeah. Cause, um, we went and ordered from the person we were supposed to give our receipt to. Yeah. And he just thought we didn't have our receipt. Yeah. He made the coffees, yeah. gave it to us, and we went, oh. And oh. Well, we were trying to give him money. He's going, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we just managed to stuff it up completely. We did so pay for our coffees. Learn though. from our mistakes. Yeah. Um, thinking about coffee, um, down here in New Zealand, you'd quite often order a latte. Don't order a latte in, in Italy because that means milk. Yeah. <laughs> so if you'd like a glass of milk, by all means, order, order a latte. But... You know, I don't know what you're doing in a cafe if you want a glass of milk. So if, you, if you're after a coffee with milk, you can order a cafe latte. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's thought of as a morning drink. Yeah, um, definitely so, drink it in the afternoon. You'll yeah, be mocked. Yeah, you will be mocked. Um, so, yeah, mid, mid-morning's kind of the cutoff point, about 11 o'clock. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, cafe latte is a breakfast drink. Espresso is the way to go. Definitely. I mean, Italians just knock back an espresso all yeah. throughout the day. Yeah. So you go pay for your espresso. It's maybe a euro. You go and um, give your voucher. You get it and you just slam it back. Yeah. Leave the, leave the cup on the table. Up, so, yeah. Go. You don't even sit down. It's it's, it's espresso. <laughs> yeah. Express coffee is exactly what you're doing. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was, uh, that was brilliant. Well, although Italian cuisine is well-known worldwide... We tend to combine all sorts of regional specialties into this big conglomerate of Italian, Italian food. But that's not the way at all that it is in Italy. They really pride themselves on their regional specialties. Mm. So um, Roman cuisine, um, we're thinking pasta with various sauces. We're thinking cheese, um, thinking fresh, um, fresh vegetables, especially artichokes. Mm-hmm. They were really big um, and, and meat dishes. So. Wow, that's extremely general. <laughs> uh, there's so much to try. I mean, I would just walk into a restaurant and ask for the local specialty. It's mm-hmm. the best way to do it. Yeah, one thing that caught my eye but I didn't try because I really don't like tripe uh, was uh, tripa alla romana, which is um, tripe and tomatoes. Bit of, yeah, I love that look. Bit of cheese grated over the top. Um, so, yeah. Not my Awful. kind of dish, but, you know, <laughs> it's Roman. to each his own. <laughs> when in Rome. Yeah. We're definitely not the people to talk to about, um, oh, there's so much more you could go into about food in mm-hmm. Rome. And there's a great selection of English language, Roman and Italian food blogs. So we recommend you go there and have a look and your mouth will just water for days. <laughs> yeah. So we'll link to some of those in the show notes at IndieTravelPodcast.com. Uh, thinking about transport, we mentioned before that it was one euro for 75 minutes of public transport. So the cool thing is that it's an integrated system. Mm, it's a with great the, system. Um, the light train, the metro, the buses, and the trams. So they're all integrated, and you buy your ticket for a period of time. I love these systems. They're so good. So all you have to do is you buy your ticket, one euro. You can hop on and hop off through that whole 75 minutes. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be making more than four journeys, more than 75 minutes apart throughout the day, so you'd have to be traveling a lot, lot, 
you can get a day ticket, and that costs four euros. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty yep. good value too. You and also get yeah. There's a three day pass, which is called tourist pass. There's a weekly pass, and there's a yearly pass. And a monthly pass. Um, and all and sorts of passes. Monthly pass as well. So choose the one that suits your needs. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I guess the thing to remember is you need to hold on to your ticket mm. for the entire period of time, obviously, and you need to validate it when you first get on mm. the first bit of transport. That's right. This is true for almost all transport in Italy. Before you get on a train, before you get on a bus, mm-hmm. um, validate your ticket and then keep hold of it because people will come around and check your tickets. Yeah. The um, validating machines are yellow, both yes. on the transport and if you're going to catch a train, you get to validate it at the station before you get on the train. That's right. So, um, yeah, so don't forget to do that like we did in our first Italian journey. No, we didn't forget to, but we realized at the last minute that we had hadn't. to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we were coming from Sicily up to Rome. That's right. Yeah. It was we knew a, there was something wrong. And there were these mad, big yellow validating things on the platform. We couldn't work it out. And, ah, but yep. it was okay. Yeah, we figured it out just before we had to race about 300 uh, Italian students who were returning to Rome because it was the last day of the university holidays. Not a great time to book your tickets. Definitely. <laughs> That's when local knowledge comes in really handy. So let's move on to free attractions. Well, definitely top of the list is Vatican City and the Basilica of St. Peter. Mm-hmm. Totally. You'll need to allow at least half a day, if not a whole day, just to wander through one of the most holy sites of Catholicism, the Sea of the Pope. The, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. You won't need your passport to cross into the world's smallest country, but you will need modest clothing as it's as you will in most of the Mediterranean's churches, mosques, cathedrals, yeah, holy sites. Absolutely. It's a good idea to wear a pair of trousers rather than a pair of shorts. Totally, um, definitely. Or a wherever you are in Italy. Yeah. 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 Definitely. It's not shorts just aren't worn in Italy. Only tourists wear shorts. Mm. And me. <laughs> Expect a long security queue and a bag bag search. So it's probably a good idea to leave your knife at home. That's mm-hmm. what we didn't do. That's first right. <laughs> yep. We ended up going back a second day. Yeah, I'm not sure what would have happened, but I just don't think... We, we, we didn't risk it. So, um, yeah, you'll have to put your bag through a scanner before you can enter. Mm-hmm. But it's it's worth it. It's worth the lines. Uh, the Pantheon is one of the oldest and best-preserved temples. It's approaching 2,000 years old. Wow. So um, it's certainly getting up there in terms of age. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, the Pantheon was built in a circle, and mm. in the it's got a big dome ceiling, and there's a hole in the middle of the dome, so you could look up and see the heavens, and you know, or maybe so the gods could look down as you worshipped in the temple there. But um, yeah, the oracular is is open, so when it's raining, all the rain comes into the Lovely. temple, and you get wet. You get wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's really cool. One of the best preserved of the ancient Roman temples. Well, the Villa Borghese is um, a public garden and very nice. It's a great place to relax because the noise of the traffic fades into the trees, but you can still hear it in the background, but at least it's quieter. It is one busy, hectic traffic this city, is isn't it? But, um, yeah, it's a really nice place to sit. There's mature trees, sculptures, artificial lake. Yeah, you just yep. wander aimlessly. Yes. Chill just out. enjoy. <laughs> yeah. And there's um, also museums in the zoo, which are located in the same ground. So you can, you know, if you want to go and see more cultural stuff, mm. you can go to It's always nice just to, to find a grassy green area yeah. just to, to relax in. Yeah. I always it, like those kind of oases. Yeah. Yeah, Rome's a very green city um, for Europe. There's quite a few 
um, quite large parks and kind of green areas to to chill in, which Mm. is nice. I think the best thing to do in Rome, though, is just to wander around, just wander the streets, get lost even, and and discover old buildings and public art and, you know, the architecture, Mm. the fountains and the churches and the bridges and the sculptures. And there's so much to see. And I think just stumbling across something that you could have maybe found in a guidebook, but probably isn't even mentioned, you know, just Mm. some facade or like looking down at the, the street, you know, oh, there's so much. I think that's the best. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, it's nice just to chill and walk and be surrounded by the architecture. Totally. So, and then, you cool. know, when you're exhausted, you can just stop into a bar or a cafe and mm-hmm. gelateria, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no way you're going. Um, now, walking the area around the Forum is particularly impressive. Um, this was the central area for legal disputes where they were doing um, philosophy and, you know, all that kind of political discussion that you can read about in very, very old text, <laughs> um, which I did a bit too much of at university. Um, but yeah, so you can do that. And walking it nowadays is amazing because you're going past, well, if you've read through the time at all, it's amazing because you're going past all these temples that show up as props, you know, yeah. and, and books and discussions. And yeah, it's got this real, not really timelessness because now it's filled with hawkers and mimes and actors and people wanting to get you to take a photo with them and then force you to give them money because you've taken a photo with them and all the kind of mini cons that just kind of congregate Mm. in a tourist area it's so sad because it feels so wonderful and beautiful and ageless and then there's this plastic overlay Mm. and like every every five or six meters there's a you know a, a moving statue person but not like a really good one, just with a, a, a mask instead of face painted. And, and the water costs like 10 euros if you want a bottle of water. It's yep. amazing. So, yeah, definitely recommend bring your own water, bring definitely. your own snacks. It's it's not a tourist trap in that you don't have to pay to get in or walk around, but the services there are definitely aimed at removing as much money from you as possible definitely, in the shortest definitely. period of time. Um, so, yeah, just fill up water bottles at fountains. They yeah. might be 300 years old, but the water's still drinkable. Totally. Well, since we're talking about the Forum, let's move on, move on to paid attractions and talk about the highlight of the Forum, the Colosseum. Sure, let's do that. Well, the Colosseum, if you approach the Forum by Metro, which is probably the easiest way, you'll be arriving at the stop called Colosseo, which, as you might have guessed, means the Colosseum, <laughs> and you'll emerge right near it. It was built and expanded and used for gladiatorial conquest contests, and um, it's partially in ruins now. But you can still get a feeling of, mm. of all the, I think, the emotion and the events that went on there. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were talking about the Colosseum and talking about how they went to see it, and it was just like every picture of the Colosseum that they've, they've ever seen. seen. <laughs> and it is, <laughs> Which, it is. It's just like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have to say that. Now, the queue to get inside is actually. Quite long. long. Um, When we were there, yeah, we arrived there in summer. Late morning during a high season, and so the line was probably at its peak. And we just didn't think it was worthwhile going in. We'd seen pictures of the inside, and we kind of, you know, we had better things to do with our time than spend a couple of hours waiting in a line. I think if we could have gotten in 10 minutes, Mm. it would have been wonderful, but it wasn't worth spending all our time over. Yeah. 
I mean, because we went on to see lots and lots and lots of other things. Mm. But if you do want to go in, I mean, you see the excavations have done to the floor, so you can see the, um, where the animals and gladiators and various slaves were kind of kept underneath the, uh, the floor of the stadium. And, yeah, just get up close. But if time is short or... If the if, line is really, really if long. If like the line was. is long, I just skip it and move on. Um, yeah. Totally. One thing you probably shouldn't miss is seeing one of the largest collections of art in the world, which is at the Vatican Museum. The Renaissance popes, or Renaissance-era popes, were basically princes or kings in their own way, and they threw the weight and finances of the church at paying for sculptors and artists and gathering together um, all of this artwork and building massive palaces. So the the Vatican Museum is housed in an old papal palace, and and pretty much every major artist from Renaissance era Europe is represented there, as well as stuff from North Africa. And ah, oh, it's just unbelievable. It's amazing. And if you go on the last Sunday of the month, admission is free, which is yes. quite common in quite a lot of museums and art galleries throughout yeah. Europe. However, that does mean that it's crazy busy, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you wandered around the Basilica of St. Peter and you're upset you didn't see the Sistine Chapel, it's because you've got to pay to go into the the Vatican Museum and um, and go and see that. Yes. Okay, let's move on to the seasonal attractions. Well, there's lots. Rome is always a popular pilgrim destination and the crowds swell around Easter and Christmas. Mm. Um, on Good Friday, the Pope leads the procession of the cross at the Colosseum, and on Easter Sunday, he addresses the crowds in St. Peter's Square. So if you're keen to see the Pope, that's when to do it. <laughs> yep. Uh, Christmas as well. Um, so at Christmas, the city's got um, nativity scenes. The local churches mm, and neighbourhoods um, set out their nativity scenes, and um, you got festive Christmas markets, which are kind of a pan-European tradition, mm-hmm. I guess. Then, um, as is common in Catholicism, there's a midnight mass at midnight on the 24th, 25th crossover. Mm -hmm. And on the 25th itself, um, there's a blessing by the Pope in St. Peter's Square. And if you're brave enough to face the summer heat, you could attend various neighborhood festivals or Saints Days. But autumn's the party time with cultural festival uh, Roma Europa. There's the White Night, La Notte Bianca, where art galleries and museums are open all night for free. And the Merino Wine Festival, and oh, there's just heaps. Heaps and heaps and heaps. Yeah, it seems to be, if there's a festival happening, that seems to be the period. During summer, all of the Romans leave because it's too hot and painful. They <laughs> go to the seaside, to the lake, and um, as they, it kind of feels like as they begin to pile back into the city, there's this kind of generation of energy. Lovely. And, welcome um, back. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. So, yeah, great time to go. Uh, thinking about guidebooks, if you're planning a trip, um, I mean, Rome's wow. a very cultural <laughs> city. It's very heavy in history. And so the Rough Guides angle works well. They always kind of angle towards um, a cultural background. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. If you're more interested in nightlife and eating, drinking and party scene, then timeouts quite a good pick, apparently. It is. And, of course, Lonely Planet does its normal job of finding good, cheap, 
kind of safe options, solid background, and um, good tips for getting around and on-the-ground travel. Yeah, certainly for Rome, there is a wealth of, of guidebooks out there. So choose the angle you'd prefer, mm. whether you want more history, more nightlife, or just a solid guidebook to go with, and choose from there. Yeah, there's certainly no shortage. Um, I was in at the library a while ago researching this, and there was like half a shelf of sure. guidebooks. Yeah. Totally. And of course, if you've got um, a guidebook for Italy, then Rome will feature heavily. Or we used the um, Lonely Planet Europe on a shoestring and that had a good good overview. It was. It was functional enough. That's yeah. right. It was enough. Cool. So what's your favourite memory of being in Rome? Well, my favourite memory was the time when we went to that coffee shop and we, we stuffed up and we ordered in the wrong place and everything went wrong. And, and then we finally got our coffee and Everyone was drinking it. There was just this huge energy because everyone was just going in and getting their coffee and sculling it back and then leaving. And ah, you know, we were looking around for a table and there weren't any tables because no one sits down for the coffee. And it was just, it was just a mission. So we got our coffee and I stood there and I sculled it back and then I put it down on the ta- on the counter and and you said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Well, you know, it's what everyone's doing." So when in Rome, and oh, I honestly didn't mean to make such a terrible pun, but. It was the right thing to say. And then I laughed for the rest of the day because I was in Rome and I was doing what the Romans were doing. Yes, that was <laughs> that was terrible. Oh, so unintentional. <laughs> That's what made it so funny for me because it wasn't like I was thinking, you know what, I'm in Rome, so if I say this, that it wasn't like that at all. I still don't believe you. <laughs> you enjoy that story. And what about um, you? What's your favourite memory? Well, it's more of a of a travel panic story that I always oh, remember when yeah. I think of Rome. We were um, taking an overnight train from Rome all the way up to San Remo, which is almost at France, right northwestern uh, corner of Italy, and we were quite concerned about getting there on time. We didn't want to spend ages and a you know, just hanging out at the train station. So we wanted to get there with enough time to comfortably get on board and get settled, a bit of slack for any problems it might have, but we didn't want to kind of get there too early, so we're holding on to our Rome time as much as possible. But we were so concerned about this that we did a a trial run. my favourite memory, (laughs) yours. But yeah, Linda's right, we did a, a trial run to figure out all of the different stations, where to get off, when to change, metro, small, blah, 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 blah. Com- complicated. Yep. And so, because, yeah, especially because we were staying at this campsite mm, out... In the middle of nowhere. And, yeah, outskirts of and town. And it was in the evening that we had to go. It, was, it wasn't like it was in the middle of the day. It was yeah. kind of, we had to leave at about seven mm-hmm. or eight to get there for our midnight, you know. Yeah, it was going to take some time. Mm. So we planned it out very carefully, and we even did a, a test run to to get there but we did the first stage of our test run and we went to go and do the second stage and we found that the uh the subway station that we were going to go to was completely shut closed it was closed they they closed down the line it was it was locked it was it was all over rover they were doing renovations on the line and so there'd been no signs up when we went through that exact station earlier the day earlier that day yeah i'm sure well certainly none that we had read and none mm. that were big enough to to be noticeable um so yeah we were st- 
stuffed. And so we had a very panicked two to three hours as we zigzagged backwards and forwards around the city. um, We ended up getting on a train that took us to the end of a different line so that we could get on. You know, it was just, yeah, it was totally zigzagging because we we, thought it might be quicker if we went to this line to get on that train and, you know. Yeah, and we we ended up catching the last run of the subway before it closed down for the night. And, oh, stress, stress, stress. So even though that wasn't the most pleasant thing that I'll remember about Ron, it was one of those real travel nightmare stories where no matter how well you planned um and we planned really well it just doesn't come off and you have to learn to relax and go with the flow and breathe deeply and just let it happen i think that was a real turning point for my way of thinking as a traveler i was like sure yeah we can plan stuff but let's just show up and make it happen that's what i do now because I was It'll just so, so stressed about that. And it all worked out well in the end. Totally. Okay, well, let's talk about where to next. So you've spent some time in Rome, and now you're deciding where to go. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, as always, it depends on where you've come from, and you should go in a different direction from that. But what's your opinion? Well, um, because the capital, um, you can go anywhere. Um, there's two airports. You can go anywhere in Europe, totally. anywhere in the world. Um, so it's quite a good kind of connecting point um it's often joked and i think there's an element of truth in this if you're thinking about driving certainly that if you thought rome was too hectic and too stressed and too pressured you should move further north Hmm. and if you thought rome was fine you could do with a bit more stress in your life when crossing the road um you should (laughs) (laughs) then you should head south (laughs) And, um, I mean, this might be true if you're going to, say, Naples, and you've been driving in Rome, and then you go drive in Naples. Yeah, sure, but I think it's facetious. It's, (laughs) it just, I... I don't know, I don't know. I think, I think it definitely does get more relaxed as you head further north. See, I I think it's always Italian. (laughs) It it gets more ordered as you head further north until eventually you hit Switzerland, and then then it begins to break down again as you get you know closer to England. But um, I don't know. It's to me, I would head south. I really would. That's because you um, love Sicily. It is because I love Sicily, and this is why. It's one of the few places in the world where you can catch a train onto a ferry. So that is cool. So the train rolls, if you come from the mainland, it rolls onto a ferry. The ferry shuts up, and it goes across the strait because it's so deep no one has figured out how to build a bridge. Um, you get out, you walk around the ferry for a while, and then you get back in your train the ferry docks, the door opens, and the train rolls back off onto the uh, the rail network over there. It was super cool. It's awesome. So I love that. It's one of the few places you can do that. We did that um, in Turkey as well. Yep. Only we were asleep. Um, and then you've got the the beautiful island life. It's a really rich country, um, fish, citrus fruits, awesome stuff. Um, you can hike up Mount Etna and you can drink Nero Davola, which is mm. one of my favorite Italian wines. And it only grows there in Etna. Right. So that's some of the reasons I love Sicily and why I would recommend heading south from Rome. Yeah, I love Sicily as well. But I think, oh, there's just so much to see. I think personally, I would travel by train or by car. I think train because the, the trains in Italy are quite cheap. 
They're very cheap. Very not cheap. So reliable not so reliable. Not so reliable. Clean at times. Yeah, but well, you know, they're, they're fine. And um, you can you can do overnight trains as well, and we've always had pleasant experiences doing overnight trains. But um, choose a few cities before you head north into Austria. I would visit Assisi. Oh, Assisi is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Florence and Venice, they're all worth a visit, although yeah. be wary of Venice because... Money d- it just bleeds out of you. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and also I think I'd, I'd recommend picking a smaller town or village just to camp in for a couple of weeks. You know, just, just mm. set up camp there. And, for example, one of our favorite places in Italy is a little tiny town called Bayardo, which is at the end of a, a long, windy bus route. And, I mean, it's, it's home to about a 1,000 people. It's tiny and it's, it's, it's perched on the top of a hill and it's got all ruins and, oh, so nice. And there's gyms like this all over Italy. Just mm. find one. Yep. Yeah. Tiny towns with a little B&B and, yeah. Wonderful. Just Wonderful. awesome. So um, anything else you want to say in closing, thinking about Rome? I don't think so. Cool. Well, thanks again to Jessica Stewart from the Rome Photo Blog for supplying all the photos that you've been seeing on the iTunes Enhanced version. Um, if you aren't so lucky to be looking at that, come by the show notes, indietravelpodcast.com, and we'll link to her site and um, hopefully have some of those photos available there too. Before we finish up, a final thanks to our sponsors, hostelbookers.com. With no booking for your hidden costs, Hostelbookers offers a lowest price guarantee for booking budget accommodation, which is always a good thing. A recent survey looking at 48 destinations worldwide found Hostelbookers the cheapest in 90% of the cases, making them 5.1% cheaper than rival booking sites on average. Which is pretty good. Mm. Pretty good. That's why we use them. It is. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening. And until next week, travel well.